remarkable economic growth across Botswana, Angola and Seychelles. And also we start our series on the downfall of Quinny Foods. Welcome to It's Postmortem. Good morning, Africa, and welcome aboard your pulse on everything business in Africa. I am Ruth Dong. For more, follow us on Twitter at The K Financial and you can find me at Ruth the closure of Kuna Foods created quite the controversy. The Kenyan food tech startup that delivered ready-to-eat meals at affordable prices closed down at the end of last month. In a statement posted to his LinkedIn page, the CEO of Kuna Foods, Robin Retch, cited a stifled economy and inflated food prices as circumstances that contributed to Kuna's closure. The announcement came just four months after the startup began its commercial operations at established meal centers around Nairobi. In his statement, Rach said the $3 per meal price point could not sustain the business. Sud Haider, co-founder of Chap Chap Go and tech editor at Wango Capital, joins us for this postmortem. The closure of Kune Foods, was it failure to get a product market fit or did they fail to understand their customer was definitely the were questions raised uh, on the on the business model and uh, it is a case of market failure or the failure of getting product market fit uh, it was built on fundamentals that were not too strong i mean they blamed uh the reasoning given uh for uh, for the closure were rising commodity prices uh, which is affecting the unit economics. Uh, they've been unable to raise money, and you know they've been unable to raise money because there's no confidence. There's no investor confidence in what uh, what they're doing. I mean, they had some early investors who kind of tried to believe in them and put in quite a significant amount of money. Uh, but yeah, they it's food FMCG in particular, not even just food. The margins are ridiculously uh, uh, brutal and low. In this part of the world, and it's the same for all for the entire East African, most of Sub-Saharan Africa. And the reason being is for for the 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 purchasing power of the average consumer is not is not that high. So you have to price within within those uh, you know you, your pricing has to be relatively low in comparison to other more uh, developed or more endowed economies in order for you to get customers. Now it's it's a game of it's a game of scale. So, which is what Kune kind of was trying to do by raising significant amount of money and trying to kind of integrate a lot of the functions internally. But the reality is um, the commodity prices also affect uh, your informal food vendors and the, the, the people that Kune, you know, would somewhat try to compete uh, with. Other smaller restaurants as well. Uh, and actually... All, whether small, anyone in fast food, anyone in the food industry in Kenya was, was affected by commodity prices. So you have to kind of react accordingly. So it's, it, it's you, you, I think we, we can conclusively argue that um, they didn't quite understand the dynamics of the local market. And, you know, the problem that they were potentially trying to solve has already been solved somewhat. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's not the best. It's informal, you know, probably hygiene standards are not the best. But you know this, uh, these uh, we call them mama chapos or kibandiskis. Kibanda is the right word, but uh, the slang in Kenya we call them kibandiskis. Is uh, these uh, these informal establishments have solved and continue to solve uh, the problem, and they're doing it relatively well. 
is the question, oh, can, can they be distributed or can that be distributed at scale? And that was potentially what Kuno was trying to do. And unfortunately, they, they failed. Uh, is there a business case for it? Yeah, I don't know. Maybe in the future, maybe they need to relook through their, uh, how they're operating or who their target audience is. Uh, and potentially the execution can, can be better, but like they, they failed in addressing the needs of the customer or they didn't quite understand who their customer was, at least in my opinion. Kuna tried to sell off the business, but as we now know, that didn't pan out. What role did market retention play in this transaction not working out? Because I think they tried to sell to Java and another establishment. I mean, these are establishments that are not exactly mass market. They're trying to middle class and uh, Java serves the mid-middle class going up. Um, and Kune was structured to serve the lower end of the middle class going down. Well, the middle class per se, but the middle class has a lot of options in Nairobi. Um, why, you know, I mean, I'm trying to put myself in the shoes of the decision makers on the other side. And, you you know, someone brings in this proposal to Paul Kune. And the, what, what Kune didn't have going for them is they didn't have the right, right retention on the market to be able to justify a decent valuation. And obviously, they already had um, uh, existing investors. I don't know how much equity was there uh, that they had seeded. But there was no clear value in terms of what's going to be given. And, and I think, uh, actually, uh, if you read the press release, one of the options uh, Robin was given was that, fine, uh, it's going to be an exchange for equity in, in, in another company. So they're not going to buy out in cash. Uh, so obviously, there's a mismatch. And apparently, Robin, the CEO, um, uh, didn't see that as a viable deal, whether it was a negotiating tactic or whatnot, regardless, is nobody's going to put in cash uh, or nobody's going to spend cash to buy out uh, an existing um, investor or owner and the business doesn't have, um, you know, the desired value because they're looking at it, we can go out and get more customers. We can spend money marketing and get the same amount of customers. I think what they wanted to buy is, you know, the, the know-how, the packaging, the workflows, they had some assets uh, that they that invested in and they were in multiple, I think, three or four locations around the city. So that that's probably what they're looking for, but they're not ready to give hard cash because, I mean, the, the markets right now, uh, it's, it's the worst time actually to try and sell or, or raise money because uh, investor sentiment is just, is just that, is, is that. So I think, no investor saw that there was value to part their money with uh, at this point in time. And that brings us back to, to, to the critical question is, you know, there's something wrong with the business model. That was Sud Haider, co-founder, Chap Chap Go and tech editor at Mwango Capital. A quick review of the other stories making it into the podcast, The Economy of Angola expanded by 2.6% year-on-year in the first quarter of 2022, following an upwardly revised 2.4% rise in the previous three-month period. It's the fourth consecutive quarter of expansion and at the fastest pace since the last quarter of 2018. The transport sector grew the most by 31.3%, namely the airline industry as a result of increase in flight frequencies, as well as the entry into operation of new companies. Additionally, the oil sector rose by 1.9% in the first quarter, 
for the first time since 2016 amid higher oil prices and strengthening demand. On the other hand, diamonds and other minerals extraction registered the biggest drop with a contraction of 28.3% on a seasonally quarterly basis. The GDP rose 4.3%, the most since the last quarter of 2014. Now, the economy of Seychelles advanced by 14% year-on-year in the first quarter of 2022 after stalling in the previous three-month period. It's the fourth consecutive quarter of expansion and at a solid pace, mainly driven by accommodation and food services that grew by 126% versus 1% in quarter four amid the recovery in tourism demand, transportation, storage and information and communication. At the same time, agriculture sector rebounded significantly. That is a 66% versus a negative 9% in the last quarter. On a quarterly basis, the GDP increased by just 0.1%. Now, the GDP of Cape Verde advanced by 16.8% year-on-year in the first quarter of 2022, following a downwardly revised 11.9% rise in the previous three-month period. It's a fourth consecutive quarter of growth and at a robust pace, following a pandemic-induced historic recession of 14.8% in 2020, mainly boosted by hotels and restaurants, internal trade and manufacturing. On the expenditure side, household spending grew solidly and net trade contributed positively to growth as exports rose faster than imports. On the other hand, government spending slowed and fixed investment declined. The economy of Botswana advanced by 7% year-on-year in the first quarter of 2022, accelerating from a 5.6% rise in the previous three-month period. It's the fifth consecutive quarter of expansion, mainly boosted by the mining sector, amid higher production of diamonds. Manufacturing activity also grew solidly, amid favorable growth rates in the sub-industries of diamond cutting and polishing, beverages and tobacco products, textile and other products. On a quarterly basis, the GDP rose by 6.5%, recovering from a 2.8% decline in the previous quarter. Thank you for always waking up with us. Good Morning Africa is a product of the K Financial. If you have any suggestions or you just want to check out more stories, visit our website. That is thekfinancial.com. And don't forget to subscribe. You can also find us on all social media platforms at the K Financial. And you can find me at the